You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a new week here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get 20% off your next order. So not so bad, huh, Tim? I mean... You go into Death Valley. I'll take it, you, you, for sure. It, listen, Syracuse football has been moral victory you for quite some time now, it feels like. And when you go in, you lose by 26. Still, the, the final score, very lopsided. And, and we'll dive into what the specifics of this entire game really were when you look at everything that went down, how Syracuse scored, what the defense did in this game. We're also going to go through... We kind of laid out on our preview podcast what would make this game a success for Syracuse because going in and saying it was win or it was a failed mission is completely unrealistic for what <laughs> yeah. this team is right now contrary to what some people out there on Twitter message boards all that stuff are saying so we're going to go through all of that and then we're also going to discuss some other odds and ends that we picked up from the game but first be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts if you're new to the show please subscribe rate review we appreciate all the feedback that you guys give to us and as well as you can check us out on twitter at lo underscore syracuse tell a friend about the show too that's the best way to spread the word about the locked on syracuse podcast all right so we, we kind of bulleted this down. Do you want to go through some general impressions first before we go step by step of sure. what would have made this successful? Okay, so I think we start with this. The offense is still, I mean, I don't care what was going on on the other side of the ball, how good Clemson is defensively. The offense has so far to go with this team. Now, I know Sean Tucker got hurt, didn't play at all in the second half. He was having a great game, 10 carries for 63 yards against one of the best defenses in the entire country. But the passing game just, I mean, at what point do you cut bait? I know there were articles written in the week about what really goes into the preparation of these guys who are really deep down on the depth chart, but it makes you wonder how much worse it can get. Rex Culpepper, 10 for 26 in the game, 175 yards, 83 of which all came on one play, the bomb to Nikeem Johnson. Um, And it's just, it's starting to get unwatchable in the passing game and with this offense because you're you're not getting anything out of it. You really aren't. I mean, if you had told me going into this game that Trevor Lawrence would throw a significant amount more of passes than Rex Culpepper, I would have been very surprised. But that was the case. And it kind of felt like Dino did not necessarily trust his passing game. Because you look at the, the run-pass disparity in a game where you lose by 26 points, it shouldn't be 32-26. to 26. Yeah, I mean, Rex is Rex. He, he's got a ceiling, and I think we're pretty close to what it is. But honestly, it's number one Clemson on the road. We never expected him to be like out there slinging it and making plays left and right. I, I think we got to give this team a lot of credit, though, because everyone— I'll give the defense credit. I thought the defense was phenomenal in this game, and I'll get into it a little more why later. Okay, I, I would give the offensive line their due as well, though. Because they were a little bit better in terms of pass protection. Now, it still wasn't great, but again, this is number one Clemson on the road. This is a team that is likely, or at least some people would consider them the favorite right now, to win the national title. And we were 46-point underdogs, so everything is on a curve. I mean, to be six points down at about a minute and a half left in the second or third quarter, excuse me, 
we thought Trevor Lawrence would be out of the game and Travis Etienne would be right next to him on the bench and they'd just be chilling watching the second and third stringers run all over Syracuse. So I'll give Dino and the staff a lot of credit on this one because they played with some heart. And offensively, yes, the passing game is non-existent. You didn't have Taj Harris. But the running game in the first half when you had Sean Tucker and cross our fingers, that's a huge takeaway for me is how valuable Sean Tucker is to this team after watching this. Because when you did have Sean Tucker in the first half, you actually had opportunities thanks to a little bit of an improvement on the offensive line run blocking. And you saw him get to the second level and make some plays on a very good defense on the road. So I would say offensively, it's almost still a net positive for me, even though we know that Rex is is not going to ever be that guy in terms of throwing the football. And that's what's frustrating too, is when you're you're missing a step and it's such a big step, you could say it's arguably the most important step in football in the, the day and age that we live in. I think that's what's frustrating, especially because we've seen it be so good in the past. Think about, like with Eric Dungy in this game, is Syracuse winning? Maybe, Maybe not winning, but it's, it's a very say. similar vibe to what we saw in that 2018 game where they went down and lost by a very narrow margin. I believe that was a 27-23 loss back in 2018. And that's kind of what I think this team would have had if Eric Dungy was in there. Maybe not a win, but you would have felt really, really good coming out. I feel really, really good about this defense coming out of this game. So let's kind of go step by step now and look at some of the things that we wanted to see to make this game a success for Syracuse. And I think we start with the health. You bring it up. No Sean Tucker in that second half because he leaves due to injury. And that's a real concerning thing because you're looking at a guy who I am extremely excited at looking and watching his progress. Hopefully he doesn't get a little bit of a Syracuse running back-itis and think he can dip out after three years, and or I guess (laughs) two years in, in some cases. And just go to the draft because that's that's not how this is going to work, really. Um, but I, I really like what I've seen out of him, and it's a real shame that you're seeing him go down in the first half of this game. And then the the running game really doesn't have much pop to it after that. I mean, Markenzie Pierre, 16 yards. You look at Cooper Lutz, 18 yards. He got the bulk of the carries once Tucker left. They actually yeah. matched each other carry, carries-wise in the, the stat sheet, but... The health thing there, I think that's the one big thing. You you wanted to see Sean Tucker blossom the rest of the season, and hopefully he's all right, can come back, and still be a, pro- a productive member of this team for the remainder of the year. The good news is I think that was the only owie by my count. Of course, I, I have to say it like Dino, but I mean that that's a positive because there's been tons and tons of injuries and tons of guys down on the ground getting the trainers attended to him. Maybe I missed a couple but for the most part, it felt like Sean Tucker was the only question mark leaving this game in terms of health for Syracuse. That's a positive. The downside is he's probably the most valuable player on the team right now. And I don't even think running On backs, the offensive side, yeah. Yeah, on the mm-hmm. offensive side, for sure. Because you could pick out a couple defensive players that have been great. But if you're doing a stock up, stock down for Syracuse football and where things were in August when we were doing the preview podcast and going through positional previews and everything... Sean Tucker has the biggest stock up. I mean, if you purchased his stock back in August, yeah. you're you're that's rolling Apple it before right the now. iPod, right there. Yeah, that's exactly. that's what that is. You know who else stock way up, and maybe not to the the magnitude of Sean. Tuck- like if Sean Tucker is an yeah. Amazon level, 
You know who Google is? Garrett Williams? It's Garrett Williams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was phenomenal in this game. You're going to hear this trivia question for years now. First ever pick six in, and probably what's going to be the last pick six in Trevor Lawrence's Pretty awesome college career. And it's it's Garrett Williams. So that's really cool. Uh, but he not just the, the pick six that he had. He had a play on a deep ball. I don't remember who it was to. It may have been Ladson or it may have been Amari Rogers. But there's a deep ball. And it looked like the receiver was going to pull it in. And at the last second, Garrett Williams gets his arm in there and rips it out. I thought that was, as great as the pick six was, I thought that was almost more impressive in terms of the pass coverage stuff. And again, we went into this game and we shared the stat with you. The most targets and coverage with zero touchdowns allowed. And it was Garrett Williams, who was number one in the country in that statistic right there with 30. So he had another fantastic game. I don't know if that stats been I think nullified now after uh what happened from like over i think the weekend, it still stands yeah you, you think it's still intact yeah we'd have yeah. to to go back and watch snap by snap everything that happened there but he was phenomenal in this game and he's another guy who's going to be an absolute joy to watch the next in line of this dbu that syracuse is trying to create now yeah i mean credit to swag daddy and what they're doing back there with the defensive backs group because I think yeah, it goes Nick back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes back to recruiting as well too, because that is an area where we have seen a lot of success in finding a couple hidden gems, as everyone likes to call them, and an Andre Cisco. And then we've also seen a lot of talent. You know, Deuce Chestnut's coming in next year. Trill Williams is here. He was a four star on some sites. So that has been Syracuse's bread and butter, really. And it's great to see that Garrett Williams, like you said, is kind of falling in line there there was a point in this game where trevor lawrence started looking more towards iffy melifonwu and he was like you know i'm gonna throw more towards iffy and that's kind of the first time that's happened this season because actually a lot of quarterbacks have been targeting garrett williams because he's the unknown and he's the the young young guy guy. makes sense right and I thought that was awesome. I thought just in general that Clemson kind of had to adjust their game plan. Now, Travis Etienne was banged up, but I mean, Syracuse is dealing with like 15 million injuries on the other side of the football field, so I don't feel bad for him too much. But there was a point where Clemson was like, we got to pass to win this game. Yeah, 43 passing attempts for Lawrence. If you were to set an over-under in the prop shop, I probably would have said 30 and a half. Yeah, maybe even lower, right? Because you yeah, think I mean, he'd be if, out of there. If it was 25, I wouldn't have been surprised either. Yeah, totally. And that's pretty amazing that there was a point in this game where Clemson, the number one team in the country, 46-point favorite, said, we got to pass the ball on Syracuse right now because we're not getting what we want on the ground. Now, they still were like to an extent, but that's amazing considering what happened against Liberty and what happened all Every game before that, it seems like, where teams were just running it right up the gut on Syracuse. So credit to Tony White, credit to the staff, the players showing some heart. I think it, it bothered them, as it should have, what was being you know put out there on Vegas and everything. And, and they proved some people wrong. Now, this isn't like okay, Dino is completely safe forever here. I mean, they still lost this yeah, football I mean, they, game. They didn't, at the end of the day, they didn't win the game. Yeah. But it, it felt like a win in a weird way. It, it felt like yeah. after watching mm-hmm. them, you were proud of them. And that has only happened once this year, and that was Georgia Tech. And honestly, there hasn't been anything somewhat close to being proud of the team after a game. Maybe UNC, like, first half, you 
you could see that they were playing with some heart and, and the defense was showing some signs, but this felt like a win, which is weird to say, but I think everyone out there should be feeling much more positive going into this Wake Forest game, which I didn't know if that was going to be the case, so I'm happy about that. Before we move on, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill. That, of course, is Coors Light. Everything these days feels like it's go, 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 but sometimes you need a break from life's hustle and bustle, and that's when you reach for Coors Light. Whether you're watching the Orange on Saturdays or your favorite team on Sundays, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. With mountain cold refreshment, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it arrives to you as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to hit reset, so when you too need to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your doors at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Going to remind you guys about the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's Built Bar, of course. They've got 18 flavors now. Keep adding to it. They've got nut and non-nut flavors. This is the delicious protein bar. Literally tastes like a candy bar, but it is good for you. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Very soft, very easy to chew, and just a better tasting protein bar than anything else out there right now. Actually, the last order I got from Built Bar... I got the Built Goes as well, which is kind of their energy slash protein little gel drink, and it's good. They've got great flavors on that too. Chocolate mint was really good, peanut butter honey, so that's a little bit different style. They've got all these new products at BuiltBar.com. I would recommend going today. Go to BuiltBar.com today and get 20% off your next order by using our promo code LOCKEDON. All right, so let's go over some of these other ones here that we had from our preview podcast. So one of the things that I really wanted to see was how would Syracuse strengths stack up against some elite competition here? One of the big strengths that we know about this Syracuse team is its ability to force turnovers and specifically the turnover margin. They don't give the ball away a lot, and they take the ball away a lot on the other side. So when you look at it, Rex Culpepper, three interceptions here. Uh, a little frustrating. He, he halted a lot of progress. He he has the, the one, or well, there was the, the fumble that was returned for a, a touchdown right. too for, for Syracuse. And then Trevor Lawrence, he did throw that one pick, like we mentioned, with, with Garrett Williams. That one goes for six. So a lot of defensive touchdowns in this game. But I think we saw what we wanted to see out of Syracuse defensively in that department. Again, Trevor Lawrence doesn't cough the ball up very often. And he, he really should have had two picks. Remember, because there was the one, Amon Greenwood, he had to go through yeah. his hands twice. He tipped it up to himself, and he tipped it up to himself again, and he still couldn't come down with it. But, I mean, I saw what I needed to see out of the defense in terms of forcing turnovers in this game. Now, offensively, you need to see that number go way down. You cannot be fumbling the ball. You cannot be throwing those types of interceptions like the ones Rex had in this game. So I think defensively, success. Offensively, lots to be desired. Yeah, I mean, the offense was put in some really easy spots again, and they didn't succeed in a lot of times in the red zone again, which is very concerning, but it's also against a much better team, so you have to keep that in mind. I would, I mean, I don't think it's anyone's, I don't think anyone's shocked when I say this, but Clemson did not play their best game either. I don't think Dabo Sweeney was like, you know, uh, I, like you know how they rush the the fans on the field. I don't know if they're even doing that right now in COVID. I hope not. I guess, but 
after every win. I don't know if they would have been very pumped to do that after this one because it just wasn't like Clemson football at its core and what has made them really good lately. To get outrushed by Syracuse is pretty amazing. Like, like what if we did that in the prop shop? 150 to 147 in total rushing. Yeah. Syracuse gets the nod. And they actually had five less attempts. They were better average uh, per rush as well, 4.7. And that's without Sean Tucker in the entire second half, where you have to go to Cooper Lutz, which I did feel like was an indictment on Marquenzi Pierre and where he's at. I mean, that's a huge drop-off going from Sean Tucker to the rest of our running back room at the moment, considering Jawar Jordan, what what's his health, we don't really know. And it, it is kind of frustrating because... Maybe this team will turn somewhat of a corner at this, but at the same time, there's like no shot that they really get into three or four win territory with the number of injuries and the number of guys out for the season. Because like we said earlier, Rex Culpepper just completely minimizes your ceiling. And I think Rex has actually probably been a little bit better than I expected him to be. I'm not necessarily knocking him. He's just a, a second string quarterback or worse. And you're going up against all ACC teams the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think, too, the thing with the rushing defense here is, okay, yeah, it's great. You held them under 150, which is which is in and of itself a phenomenal effort. And one of the things that I don't think I actually shared this, but I have it in my notes from the preview podcast was, this is going to be a frustrating game for this team. Don't quit and show that you want to be there. And they yeah. not only met that, they exceeded that in this game in my eyes. But... The thing with the running defense here for Syracuse is the fact that I've seen too many 300-yard games on the ground to much, much inferior opponents than Clemson. It kind of feels like the 147 against the Tigers is more the outlier than the norm that we've seen in the past. Oh, yeah. I agree. I mean, you you can't look at it any other way. It's it's a total outlier at, at this juncture of the season. And Wake Forest has a pretty good rushing attack. I saw Wake opened as 11-point favorites. I'm sure some people are going to be picking Syracuse this week in the media and everything. I'll have to look more into Wake Forest. I, I think it's a winnable game. Coming off game a ranked win. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they played very good against Virginia Tech, and they hardly threw the ball at all. So that's a bit concerning. But this is a type of game that, at the very least, it gets Syracuse to buy in more to the rest of the season. And it just gets the team to rally around something. It, it almost sounds like I'm talking about a win again, but I do feel like this team can uh, take the trip back up to Syracuse and hang their heads high. And now they get ready for Wake Forest, and there's some positives to cling to. A Garrett Williams-type player now has all kinds of confidence, right? Sean Tucker, is, if he's healthy, has tons of confidence, and... Hopefully you do start to get some of these unhealthy guys and injured and owies back. Love to see a Dakota Davis come back on the line. Someone like that would be huge. Unfortunately, we just don't really know the exact timetable of some of these injuries. But I think Wake now is a game that I'm looking forward to watching much more. And I do think it's winnable. Just because Wake's coming off a win, I mean, you can make the case that Wake might be in for a letdown game after they came off a, a ranked team win. It's college football. So I, I, I know like a lot of people will say that Wake is coming off a win, and that's concerning for Syracuse. I saw enough in terms of heart and rush defense and offensive line improvement in this game to start to buy in more on this team the rest of the season. 
my one counter to that is that the way that they scored points in this game, a lot of it was unsustainable plays. Like when you look at how this team scored points, you had the pick six. Obviously, defensive touchdowns are not a, a path to long-term success. An 83-yard touchdown pass. Those, those long bombs are not going to happen every single game. Yeah. And then a 20-yard touchdown drive that came off of a blocked punt. Blocked punts are not something that are going to happen every single game for you. But they will and get those turnovers. Are the that, I mean, they're I getting think turnovers, turnovers yes, every turnovers game. Turnovers will be a thing for this team every single game. But it's now turning those into points. And it's nice. Okay, you, you get set up in a short field, take advantage of it. But at the same time, this has to you have to see offensive improvement. And, and we just have not seen that, especially in the passing game this season. And, and at this point in the season, you would figure you would have some of that. So that that's the one thing that worries me a little bit. And again, it is the Clemson defense. It is always going to be an uphill battle against the Tigers. But when you're relying on, and this is literally every single scoring drive for Syracuse, but every single scoring drive is kind of an unsustainable play. And yeah. that's one of the things that makes me take pause on the, oh, well, they put up 21 against Clemson. It was, I, I, I'm not going to say it's not a true 21 points because, what, the old Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. I mean, I think the same applies for the points. The, the 21 that Syracuse scores in this game uh, you can point back to a number of times when they didn't score this season and they should have, so it all kind of evens out in the end. But the 21 here, it, it's not a, a recipe for long-term success if that's how you want to get your points every single game. I hear you. I mean, that's what I was saying after the Duke game is they were the number one team in the country in terms of turnover margin, and they were, what, 1-3 in three at the time and playing some bad football. They come into this game, obviously – a similar story against Liberty where you just look terrible in all the areas that we were worried about. So there was really no reason for optimism. And they are kind of, take away the fact that they have tons of injuries and that has been a lot of bad breaks. And you had the Chris Bleich news before the season and the opt-outs. And there's been a number of things stacked against them. If we take that away, the on-the-field breaks have actually kind of fallen Syracuse's way. Like, there's been a lot of turnovers, whether it's muck punts or stuff, where it's like, oh my gosh, like, they're trying to give us this game. And the football oh, yeah, gods are on felt our side. That, especially the first two games of the season. Yes, yeah. Pitt and UNC, it felt like those games were being handed to you on a platter, and then the offense just couldn't take them. Right, and... They also have had a lot of big plays where Taj Harris has had several deep touchdowns. Now, you get the one to Nikeem in this game. You had one to Queeley. You had a Luke Benson touchdown. I mean, they have had explosive plays, and that is a little bit of luck, too, and a little bit of the defense breaking down. Now, you still have to give them credit, sure, but I, I hear what you're saying because a lot of what they're doing is stuff is going their way on the field, and they're still not producing the results. But I do think the turnover thing is beginning to become more and more sustainable the more they do it, because I know the stats say that since 2017, they're like second in the entire nation out of every team that can qualify in terms of uh, forced turnovers. So it's been going on for a while now. It hasn't just been Tony White. It hasn't just been this year, but I think it's even accelerated this year so far. And also, like, Wake Forest is probably going to turn the ball over. They're not that clean in terms of that side of things. So they're probably going to get 
turnovers the rest of the way. You've got a great point, though. Can they capitalize from that point on? And I will say the the positive is they were a little bit better in the trenches in this game against a very tough team in terms of offensive line. And that's a lot of their red zone struggles is they just didn't have the trenches on their side. And when the field shortens, I mean, Dino has talked about this, when it shrinks and there's less room to operate, it really becomes, okay, our five guys in the offensive line against your four guys in the defensive line and however many else they put in the box and who can win that matchup. So it's a six-point game late in the third quarter. I mean, Twitter's going crazy. They think there might be a chance. You're listening to, to radio shows across the country talking about college football. You're hearing the upset whistles coming in about this Syracuse game. And, hey, are, are they going to do it again? I don't know if I ever got to that quite that point. Um, but I think one thing that we need to point out with this defense, okay, And I looked back through the drive charts for Clemson. They only had four drives of 50-plus yards. They usually have, I feel like, four plays a game of 50-plus yards. Like, when you watch Clemson, you're guaranteed to see one of those long bombs to Rodgers, Frank Ladson, or or you'll see ETN bust off a huge play. You want to know how long the longest play for the Clemson Tigers was in this game? What, 50 yards? I don't even know. 25 yards. Oh, my gosh. Lawrence had a 25-yard pass. Etienne had a 25-yard run. And those were the longest plays in the game. That's the best stat of the the game right there. Exactly, because one of the things... Right, one of the things... I think you brought this up in our preview was the fact that you wanted to see the big plays contained. And you didn't know how attainable that would be against a team like Clemson. But they went out and did it. I mean, they limited the big plays in this game. Now... You didn't limit the pick sixes, you, or, or maybe not the pick sixes. You didn't limit the, the defensive side of the big plays part for, for the Tigers because three interceptions, the, the scoop and score. So that obviously has to get cleaned up. But four drives of 50-plus of yards, and one of them ends up in a, a missed field goal, which is just as good as a turnover. So you take all that into account. I mean, I, I could not be more impressed of what I saw out of this defense. And it's very rare to be saying that about – a team that gives up 47 points now, of right. course, not all of it. It's not a true 47 points. There's obviously the, def- the defensive touchdown. You had to work with a lot of short fields at times, too. And that's another part of the equation of the the 50-plus yard drives is they didn't always have to go 50 yards to score sometimes. So, But you got guys stepping up on defense. Now can you see – listen, you are at this point in the season. It doesn't feel like you're playing for much. But I got to say I'm – I'm proud of the way that Dino Babers got these guys ready. Proud of the way Tony Ward got these guys ready, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because they came to play. They did not quit in this game, and the 47 is just not indicative of how well they played. Yeah, that's an unreal stat that you just had. The the 25 yards is the longest play. I mean, that is passing my test with flying colors. I never thought that was possible, and... I'd say that's the biggest thing to take away from this game is they've returned the kickoff back to about the 45 or the 50. And I'm sitting there like, this is going to be... And some people might be like, oh, why are you so negative? Well, I'm sorry, but they just lost to Liberty by 17 points at home. And at home, I, I'm just yeah. being realistic. They're, they were 46 and at one point, it's a 46 and a half. football team right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot to... to 
be be happy about to wave the pom poms for. Yeah, and I mean, once they do some good stuff, we will be. And I think they did some good stuff in this game, and I'm giving them credit. Yeah, we've I, mentioned it. I mean, Garrett Williams led this team in tackles. He he had a tackle for loss. He obviously had the pick six and two pass breakups in yeah. this game. The kid is an emerging star on this defensive side. Right, Michael Jones about, did it again. I, we talked he about it at one point in the maybe it was after game three or game four before it got really bleak. How we were saying, I don't think Syracuse has done very well record wise this season, but I actually kind of weirdly feel better about how they are in terms of their youth and how much talent they have going forward because we've seen a lot of freshmen make some plays, whether it's Marlo Wax, Rob Hanna, um, Jones, who you just talked about, Garrett Williams, and then Sean Tucker. I think Sean Tucker is going to be a fixture in our lives for the next four years. He is, if he remains healthy. Fingers and crossed. I he, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not, because he's already looks like a senior out there. He's making the right plays, the right reads. He's get When he gets into the second level, he looks even better. So if we get him a serviceable offensive line, which it was in this game against a tough competition, then he could be really good. And it might just be like, finally, we have a 1,000-yard rusher and someone that will be leading a run-dominant attack here at Syracuse. If that's the case and that's how, what we have to do to win, sure. And I don't want the whole injury label to be placed on Sean Tucker quite yet because I've yeah. got this little theory, and I want to run this by you real quick. Okay. When you get to the next level, whether it's going from Pop Warner to high school, high school to college, and I'm talking from a football perspective here, but I just remember my freshman year of high school, how many guys I would see on crutches. I mean, just going from level to level, <laughs> it, it's just a, a new beast of physicality each yeah. and every single time. And I the just, rookie that wall, always stuck out to me. That type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it always stuck out to me that I saw all these fellow freshmen in my freshman cafeteria and all these guys with football jerseys on and they boots, crutches, uh, bandages, ice wraps all the time. And yeah. It's just, I think I'm not ready to do that. And again, remember, Eric Dungy, a guy who was quote-unquote injury-prone and then kind of shed that label his senior year and played in every single game. Didn't mean he didn't get hurt, but he played in every single game. So I'm not ready to say, oh, I'm not wait, or hesitant to to put these these high expectations on a guy like Sean Tucker because of the injuries and stuff. Because I think it's one of those things. He's His body's going to adapt. He's going to get stronger. And some of these injuries are will hopefully slow down a little bit there in turn and not stunt his growth as a running back with Syracuse. Yeah, I mean you're probably onto something a little bit there. He's only played like four games though, so it's it's a little early for the rookie wall, freshman wall type of conversation, maybe. But and remember, I mean, he was supposed to be like a fourth, fifth, sixth string running back yeah. heading into this year. I don't think he was expecting many carries when he first stepped onto campus this year. Yeah, he's trending as maybe the most impactful freshman we've had outside of Andre Sisco in the Dino era. Like, if, if his season continues like this, I, I'm trying to think who else. Mo Neal had a pretty good freshman year. Taj was very good as a freshman, Ta too. Yeah, Taj is a yeah. good one because he had such a historic season there. But I think wide receiver is a little bit different. And maybe running back to a degree is also a little bit easier to make an impact. It's it's tougher to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman because you got to bulk up in those categories. And Cisco, I mean, what he did was phenomenal. I guess Andre Schmidt, too, I should include in that list. But 
those, those are two freshman All-Americans. So he might not get to that. He's not going to get to that level, period. But he's had a great, great freshman season. And I'm very excited to watch him the rest of the way. And, and hopefully we get some clarity. Maybe Dino has already had his presser by the time you're listening to this. We haven't heard the Monday presser. I'm, I'm hoping he's asked about it. And maybe he has some more clarity on it now and what the future is in terms of Sean Tucker. So we'll probably recap his presser on the show tomorrow and anything that comes from that injury related or not. But yeah, Sean Tucker has been excellent. I mean, stock up Sean Tucker way up Garrett Williams, way up Mikel Jones, way up. Uh, who, who else would you say has been like big stock up so far this season? I guess it's a, a smaller list than we would have hoped for. Yeah. I mean, but Jeff Cantonark, who I think is another yeah. guy you could throw, throw his name out there. Not nothing spectacular in this game. Um, but Marlo he did Wax. break up a pass, made a couple tackles. Yeah, Marlo Wack. I mean, there have been guys who have stepped up, and there's no way around it. I do want to hit on one quick thing, but and then we'll get out of here. Yeah. But the decision by Dino Babers in the football program, and I think this may have even been an at-large athletic department decision that got handed down, but Taj Harris didn't travel in this game. And he's a guy, maybe someone who could have made a, a difference, maybe would have kick-started this offense a little bit, put a little spark in it, but he did not travel, essentially facing a suspension. I don't know if those were the exact words that were ever used uh, regarding his absence from, from the game, but he didn't travel, and I think this was the right call by Dino Babers. I, I agree. know this is kind of a hot topic, message boards, Twitter, all that good stuff, but I think this ultimately is the right call. You have to set the standard, especially when you're coaching a very young team that the immaturity on the sidelines and all that other garbage is not acceptable. It doesn't matter what stage in the season, game, whatever you're in, you have to set a standard for your program. You have to let them know that stuff is not okay. You cannot get away with that in my program. And I'm happy that Dino handed this down. I, I would imagine he probably had final say on all of it, but... This was the right call. It really was. I don't care who the opponent was. This was the right call by Dino Babers. That's the sign of a true leader there, is making tough decisions like this. And I'm happy he did. Yeah, I love the decision. And a couple people I saw pointed out, this is a little bit of an overreaction because what if the camera didn't pick him, pick up him flipping the bird and maybe he's done it before or whatever? Well, the well, point is... Who cares? They did. Yeah. It did. Yeah, and he looked right at it and did it. And right. also, he, exactly. He's been a problem kind of all season. He's done stuff like this to a degree, not as bad as that, but that was kind of a last straw type of scenario in my eyes because he's been a poor teammate at times where he's been visibly frustrated and he's let it boil Threw over. Threw his mask into the stands one time too. Yeah, and that I was I think in it was in that same, same Liberty yeah. game. Yeah. So I agree. I, I wanted to see them do something just because the the program is kind of at a lull right now where we need to set a message in there or so, sort of send a message in that regard. And I'm happy they did it. Maybe they didn't have to do the entire game. I saw some people say the half, but doing nothing would have been uh, disappointing to me. I, I really think he, he deserves something. And I like Taj and I hope he sort of learns his lesson and gets back out there because he's obviously one of the more talented guys on the team. But I think the fact that he is one of the more talented guys on the team makes it even more important to make sure that you're not giving him any preferential treatment because of that. Yeah, you're a junior on the team. You should be setting the bar, not 
right. not doing stuff like that. Now I will say one game is one game. That's it. If if I yeah, see it, get him back I, out there. If, <laughs> if he's not back out there next week because this is some extended suspension, then then we'll we'll talk and we'll have some problems with it. But one game, proper proper punishment there. Let's move on. Let's mature and hopefully he can close out his season strong because he's been having a phenomenal year. He's one of the ACC's leader in in receiving yards per game. So he's definitely someone Syracuse could use out there and someone who could help this team beat Wake Forest. So we'll get you ready for Wake Forest all week long here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. All right, tomorrow on the show, we'll probably hit some more football things, recap some things that Dino Babers said. But Paul Atkinson, did you see this name, Tim? Uh, yeah. Yale basketball transfer who is hitting the open market. Apparently Syracuse expressing a little interest in him. So we'll break into a little bit of Paul Atkinson stuff. And we'll also just any other news and notes that come up along the wire as well. Also, congrats to the FanDuel better who risked $8,600 to win eight sixty <laughs> on, on, on this Clemson game. He took the money Holy line. Cow. He took yeah. the minus 100,000 money line, so congrats to him or her for, for picking up a nice chunk of change there. 860, buy yourself a nice lunch this week. All right, we will be back tomorrow with all things hoops, all things football from what Dino said and all that good stuff. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.